Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. In week one, we learned that you are a masterpiece. We're not just saying that. We found out in Ephesians chapter 2 that the Lord calls us a masterpiece. And if we're going to be a community of one, we need to recognize that not only are we a masterpiece, but also people around us are also a masterpiece. It's one of the reasons the Lord told us to avoid doing certain things in our life because we're a masterpiece. Meaning if I took the Mona Lisa and I put it as the liner of a birdcage to catch all the droppings, we would be aghast. Why? Because the Mona Lisa is a masterpiece. You're not to treat a masterpiece in such a way. We do that with a week old newspaper, but not with a Mona Lisa. And see, the Lord is saying, when it comes to things in your life like sin, don't you know you're a masterpiece? It's never to be used like that. You're of high, great value. And then last week, we learned about when when we are all together different, we are greater than the sum of all the parts. We all have different gifts, abilities and talents and passions, interests. And they can all be used to reflect Jesus back to the world around us. We shared about in, a, in, in any sports team, not everybody's the quarterback or the center. Not everybody's the receiver or the running backs or the defensive end. Not everybody. Why? Because you wouldn't have a very effective team. The guys who are the wide receivers do not look like linemen for a reason. Because they have a different function and role. And the same in the body of Christ. Not everybody is going to be the, the pastor. Not everybody's going to be an evangelist. Not everybody's going to be what you can offer that I cannot. But all of us together, now that's a force. Amen? Amen. Now, this week, we're going to look at one of the biggest roadblocks to seeing a community of believers becoming. One. So, Father, I pray, give us eyes to see what you want us to see, ears to hear what you want us to hear. Father, hands that would touch the way Jesus would touch, heart that would be in perfect synergy and rhythm with the heart of the Father. Lord, help us to have a tongue that would lift up and edify. And Lord, help us to have a nose that can smell the rose of Sharon to know the presence of God is in this place. God, have your will, have your way that we could become one. In Jesus' holy name, amen. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a favorite band or even maybe two or three? And then your favorite band breaks up. I mean, talk about a heartache, like you really like their music. Some of you would say, I really love their music. And, and even if that band got back together later, it just wasn't the same. You know what I'm talking about? As a letdown as that might seem to having your favorite band break up, it pales in comparison 
to seeing those you care, those that you love, fall apart or be ripped apart. Like maybe your parents divorcing. Maybe an adult child separating and getting a divorce. Maybe your own divorce. Maybe seeing a special friendship being ripped apart. Or maybe seeing siblings that don't get along or are fighting for who knows whatever painful situation there might be. It's sad to say, but we've all seen it. Things that we've grown to love, things that we depend on, things that we thought would always last forever, fall apart, be ripped apart. It's like a massive earthquake that moves down to the foundation of your soul. And those seismic vents, if you're really honest, they were rarely ever sudden. Oh, they may have felt like it just suddenly happened. But if the truth be known, there were signs. There were warning signs. When it comes to a seismic event, there are almost always a fault line giving us a warning way in advance if we were bothering to look. The Beatles didn't just break up overnight. There was a lot of frustration. There was animosity that was building up. They were the biggest band in the world. But it was too much for those young guys. And it fell apart. A divorce wasn't as sudden as it may have felt. There were most likely issues just below the surface for quite a while. They just had never been properly dealt with or addressed. Or that falling out that you had with that certain sibling or an aunt or an uncle or a parent. If you're honest, you can look back and see that there were fault lines giving you a little warning, a little hurt there, a, a wound there, things said or things left unsaid. And over time, those fault lines, well, they gave way to a seismic event. Fault lines, now they might be hard to see, but just because they're hard to see doesn't mean they're not there. They're a warning sign. Something serious, something dangerous is coming. So what does any of this have to do with being a community of one? Well, to be quite honest, it has almost everything to do with it. In relationships, fault lines happen because we are a broken and an imperfect people dealing with a broken and imperfect people. And what do you think that kind of ingredients is going to generate? I've got good news, though. The Apostle Paul addresses this very thing in his letter to a community of, of Jesus followers in a city called Ephesus. This letter to the Ephesians was made up of, of two, two different groups. One were the Gentiles and the other were the Jews. And they, they couldn't be polar opposite. I mean, more polar opposite than these two groups. I mean, 
the Jews looked down on the Gentiles because to them, the Gentiles, well, they didn't have the law. And the Gentiles worshiped multiple pagan gods and idols. And the Gentiles practiced all kinds of sexual immorality. The Gentiles, they lived wild, reckless lives. They were drunks. They did orgies. They, they lied to get ahead. They were cheating others. They were hotheads. They were hostile. They were violent, gossiping, slandering. Kind of get the idea. On the other hand, well, the Gentiles had their thoughts about the Jews. And they thought that the Jews were uneducated rednecks with no sophistication whatsoever. The Gentiles looked down on the Jews and thought that they were a weak, a conquered people, a complaining people who were flat out arrogant. They were distasteful and largely unlikable. The Jews to them were standoffish. They didn't accept or even like other groups but themselves. And plus to them, the Jews, well, they had these weird religious ideas, especially to a Gentile mind. And they thought that the Jews, well, they were not only critical of everybody else, but incredibly judgy. Now, here's the amazing part. God takes the Gentile and the Jew and somehow using Paul the Apostle, was able to take these two polar opposite groups and bring them together that they would be a church as one. Now that is the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and much of this whole letter to the Ephesians deals with how to get these two groups together. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. We'll look at verses 1 through 6. And Paul says, Therefore I... A prisoner for serving the Lord beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. So he, he's saying this to both the Jew and to the Gentile. You've both been called to God. Can you imagine what half the group is thinking versus the other half? Always be humble. Excuse me, let me go back. Beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Now catch this. For there is one body. Every time you see the word one, when I read it out, will you say it out loud? For there is one body and, and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Not just the Gentile, not just the Jew. Do you catch what he's doing here? This is powerful. Paul's calling and guiding these, these two different groups to heal their fault lines. Guys, you're going to destroy what God is trying to bring together. Get over it. Let it go. It's almost as if Paul is saying this. Hey, 
You know who I am? I'm the guy who used to kill people who believed in Jesus. I'm the guy who got everybody and threw them in or would torture them. If I can go to prison because of now my faith in Jesus versus how I used to fight against Jesus, then surely you can work to heal the fault lines between you and become a community of one. If you want to heal some fault lines and prevent some future fault lines, then you have to be, as Dave Payne always says, intentional. You need to do the hard work of being humble, of being gentle, of, being bear, of bearing with other burdens. Look at Philippians chapter 2, 3, 3 and 4. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Wow. I guess the question is, are we, are you, am I, truly all in? Now, I'm going to ask a question, and I'm going to be honest with you. This, this question, I'm telling you, it's going to be a little uncomfortable. I didn't enjoy typing it. All right? I'm still working with it. But it doesn't give me permission not to preach it when it's the Word of God. So here's my question. Why do we tend to point out how we have been wronged and then monsterize those who have wronged us? You catch that? Somebody wronged me, and I want to talk about it. And not only do I want to talk about it, I want to talk about how a big of a monster they are. You know they knew what was going on, and they did it anyways. Hello? Hello? And this is not a male versus female thing. We all do it. I can't believe, dot, dot, dot. What right do they have, dot, dot, dot. The question now is, don't we all know Jesus said to forgive? Don't we? So my question is, if I'm not forgiving and letting go, and you're not forgiving and letting go, then are we really all in? I know it's an ouch. I didn't want to write it. Let's hear what Paul tells us in verse 32. Again, Ephesians 4. Instead. Now let's just stop right there. Instead. Instead means we're going to shift. We're going to substitute. We're going to change something. I know you're used to doing this. I know this is common over here, but I want you to look at doing this now. So we're going to go from that to this. We're going to go instead of. All right, so instead. In other words, you used to do it this way. I want you to look at doing it this way now. It's different. Not that way. This way. Instead... Be kind to each other, 
tenderhearted means not only to sympathize, but to empathy. Forgiving one another. Whoa. Why does he always have to put the F word in there? <laughs> Forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you so it's not just i want you to forgive oh by the way i just want you to know you heathen marvin i forgave you when i went on the cross so because i did that for you how about you do that for them and then that's when we all want to say it's okay for me but not for them we got to be careful See, child of God, when you've been wronged, when you've been hurt, when you've been neglected and betrayed, no justice in what was done to you. When we, when you, when me are called to forgive like Christ forgave me when he forgave you, we're to do it completely. It's not easy. Remember, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's, he's, he's under so much stress that the Bible says that there was actual droplets of blood that he was sweating. And he says, if this cup can pass by me, in another way of understanding it, I don't want to go through with it. Is there a plan B, God? I don't want to go on the cross. I don't want to be whipped. I don't want to have my beard ripped out. I don't want to be beaten. I don't want the, the crown of thorns. I don't want to die and have to go to hell. God, can we do it another way? Just like you and I, I don't want to do it. I don't want to forgive. But God says, I want you to forgive. And I want you to forgive even before they say sorry. I want you to forgive even before they don't deserve it. Even before they deserve it. And I want you to forgive even before they feel bad about what they did. Or to forgive even before they choose to make up with you. See, forgiveness says three things. I've said this before. Some of you may want to write it down. When I really forgive somebody, I say three promises, three covenant promises. I promise never to throw this back in your face again. Okay? I promise not to go talk to other people about this or let them talk to me about this. And I, number three, this is the hard one. I promise I'm not going to personally meditate about it. If you can do those three, you have really forgiven. Because guess what? Jesus doesn't remind me about my sin. He doesn't talk to the angels and everybody else about my sin. And you know what? He doesn't meditate upon it. He remembers them no more as far as the, the east is from the west. And then there's this thing called reconciliation. When it's possible, make reconciliation even with them. Now, sometimes you can't. Let's say a woman got beaten really bad by the hubby. Maybe it's just not right to get back together. I wouldn't put them back in. 
I wouldn't say you have to go back and live in that home. But in other places, you can reconcile. You can say, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. I want to make restitution. And you can reconcile. But not always. We get that. This can only happen, and I really feel like the Lord showed me this. Having to forgive at that real deep, deep, you know, in the deep end of the pool, so to speak, you got to have some help. And His name's the Holy Spirit. You have to be in tune. I can't do it in my flesh. It's not possible. So to be in tune with the Holy Spirit, we need to trust and submit to the Godhead called the Holy Spirit. Not just God the Father, not just Jesus, but to the Holy Spirit. Forgiving others. When I really forgive others, do you know that it's a demonstration that I trust the Holy Spirit, that I am submitted to the Holy Spirit? That grabs, that grabs the, the Father's attention when we obey. Look what it says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. This is Paul who wrote the book of Galatians. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And that means your kindness. That means your grace, your mercy, and even your forgiveness. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature, Marvin, craves. When we walk by the Spirit, when we stay in tune in the Spirit, it is much easier to be in unity with all those around us. But gratifying the desires of the flesh, insisting on, on having my way, on being concerned about my expectations, focusing on my rights, assuming I should get to express my offenses or demanding to express myself and everything that was done wrong and, and all of their motivation for why they did it because I have a right to monsterize them. Folks, that's how you generate more fault lines. Forgiveness says no to those things. Forgiveness says I trust you, God. I trust you over everything. I think forgiveness has got to be one of the hardest things any individual has to do in the body of Christ. I bet if I was to ask you to tell me a story about somebody who did you wrong when you were a little child, you could give me all the details. See how powerful an offense can be? You guys remember the monkey trap? How the hunter ties a rope or a chain to a tree, to a coconut, cuts out a little hole, puts in some, some kind of food or candy inside the coconut that's empty. The monkey comes in, puts his hand inside that coconut, and then he makes a fist. Kind of like when you get offended when I get offended. Oh, I want some of this. Now, now that he made a fist, and he's got the, li the little food or rice or candy or orange slice in his hand. He can't pull his hand out 
of the coconut. Now, is the monkey really trapped? All he would have to do is let it go. And he would slide right out. What's that thing in your life that you got a hold of? And you got a fist pointing out at God. You got a fist pointing out at somebody, a family member, a spouse. I don't know. Somebody who did you wrong. And I'm not here to say they didn't do you wrong. They probably did. But is your hand still in the coconut? Because all that has to happen is the enemy of your soul can just come around with a big old baseball bat and just whack you upside the head while you're still holding on to that thing from your past. It's hard. So how do I know if I'm tuned in tune with the Holy Spirit? Galatians 5. Start at verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control. Now catch this part. There is no law against these things. So you see, see all of these items here, th- these kinds of fruit, Do you know that there's no restrictions? Now, there's a restriction. You are not allowed to steal. There's a law against that. You're not allowed to murder. There's a law against that. You're not allowed to cheat on your tax. There's laws about that. But you know there's no laws about being kind? There's no law about being kind. Or how about being gentle? Or how about self-control or peace or, or patience? Or goodness or faith. There's no laws. You can, you can do it to your heart's content. 24 hours a day, you can be kind. And nobody's going to come up and say, you know what, Holly, I caught you being kind. Here's a ticket. Too much kindness. It's not going to happen. You ever notice? With the things of the kingdom of God, it's limitless. I want that. I can't wait to go to the banqueting table because anything of God you can have as much as you want. I've had too much of the other and it shows. Look at this. But when you're in tune with the Spirit, your life looks like love. It looks like peace. It looks like joy. It looks like patience and kindness and goodness faithfulness. Maybe we all remember that the real assurance against fault lines is for us to focus on being in tune to the Holy Spirit. Over the past few weeks, I've covered a lot about being a community of one. We've covered about the inherent value we have because we're creating the image of God that you are a masterpiece. And if you fight against that or you just ignore that, it's because you don't want to believe the truth. You would rather believe the lie. I'm not worthy to be called a masterpiece. Well, you don't get to make that decision. It is what it is. 
You are a masterpiece in spite of you. And we've covered about celebrating the blessed different gifts, the little different gift mixes that God brings into the body of Christ to expand the body of Christ. And today we've taken another step further by looking at the fault lines that grow when we don't see each other in God's image as a piece of the Master, as somebody said last week, or to celebrate our differences. When we become divided over these things, it's incredibly difficult to have unity with those we care and love when we're divided. So as we wrap up our series, it's important to consider a few takeaways where we can personally impact the unity and the health in ourselves and in others. Here's a couple thoughts as I close. Develop the habit of considering other people's needs ahead of what you want or even what you need. Do you need to go to someone and ask for forgiveness? Are you in tune? Are you staying in tune with the Holy Spirit? Are you pursuing love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness? Oh, how the Father wants us all to be as one. To be as one for the cause of Christ and for His kingdom. Folks, next week's Easter. And I double-dog dare you to pray. God, who do you want me to invite? Do you think He'll not answer that prayer? Oh, He'll tell you. And He'll show you. But more importantly, may He give you favor in advance. Do you know that people, they've surveyed this, that people will go to church on Easter Sunday more than any other Sunday of the year, but all they need is an invite because they don't know where, where to go to church. So make a phone call. Take somebody to breakfast or get, get a cup of coffee and just say, hey, hey, what you got going on on Sunday? Thought maybe it'd be fun if we could all go to church at River Rock. You might be surprised. Those grandkids or those kids, somebody might come to church simply because you asked them to. Amen? Well, Father, we thank You for Your goodness and Your grace. We bless You, Lord, because nothing is impossible with You. Lord, Easter is not about how many people can we get to show up to church so we could count a number. Gosh, it's so much bigger than that it's about seeing salvation happen and that transformation happen within the heart of those we love and care that they too would have their names written in the lamb's book of life that eternity is at stake in the most incredible opportunity of a particular sunday of the year happens to be easter so lord help us that we could see somebody we care about somebody we love Get that opportunity to hear the gospel message. Yes, Lord, 
we're going to have an Easter egg hunt and we'll have some treats to go in little bags and we'll have an Easter special. But Lord, the thing that is important is that the gospel, that the message of the cross and the empty tomb would be shared and an opportunity for somebody to say, yes, I want Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Father, I pray favor upon Your people. I pray, Lord, it will happen. And they will see someone they love and care give their life to Jesus. So Lord, we love You. And if anybody's here today, and that message on forgiveness, it kind of hits you. And you see that there's something that's still holding you back from being all in. And you say, Pastor, I, I need to forgive. I thought I did, but it's still there. If that's you, would you, would you look up at me? Would you raise a hand? I want to pray for you right where you're at. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, I just lift up all those who are responding. And Lord, I pray that they would pray this with me. The Lord, help me to not only just forgive part of it, but to forgive all of it. Help me to make those covenant vows to never throw this in their face again. To never tell other people about it and let other people talk to me about it. And Lord, to not meditate on it or daydream about it, but to be truly set free. For whom the sun sets free, is, Lord, is free indeed. God, I pray your blessing be upon your people. God, it's got to be one of the hardest things. When people who have been so violated, so taken advantage of, so done wrong and just. So Lord, I pray, let freedom reign in their hearts because they forgave. And may the Holy Spirit saturate them. And that act of obedience would show that they trust you and they're submitted to you. Take over, Lord, and bless them like they've never seen before. We pray for Easter, Lord. We pray that you would bring in the harvest from the north, the south, the east, and the west. We pray you hear the prayers of your people. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise. We'll give you all the glory. In the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus, we pray. And we all say, Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.